Gypsy Theater. How are we doing tonight? That's pretty good, but this is the first show that Cinematic Boy has done in this space since 2020. So I'm gonna ask you, how the fuck are you doing tonight? Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, it's Nick Vance, parent of Futures on social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you can consider joining our Patreon, where you can find the old episodes that we hate. Yeah. And t-shirts. Nah, t-shirts. And... Cinematis movie. Yep. Cinemat came Cine- to a close. Yep. That new season just came to a close, but I'll be doing some more episodes for the four year anniversary of it. Can you imagine it's been four years since the fucking world shut down? Damn, man. Seems like only yesterday. Seems like I used to have like not gray hair. It's only but- yesterday Fauci threw out that first pitch of the baseball game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't remember if I ever said on this podcast. I actually met Fauci back in the day. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, I I don't even... I'm pretty sure... I've, have I told you the story? I mean, now that you say it, it's ringing a bell, but... I, I mean, since we're already hijacking this right off the bat... We, so, years ago, when I used to be a contractor and worked for the federal government, and um, I worked at an army base that was very scientist-based. Like, there was... It wasn't soldiers, it was mostly scientists and like army brass and stuff like that. And one of my assignments was we had to go make a video about, you know, different, what could be the next pandemic because they knew it was going to eventually happen. And this guy that I worked with, whose name was Match, actually Match, don't don't ask any questions, we're just going with that. Like, I know a dude named, we both know a dude named Eagle, so it's like, so let's not question things here. Um, him and I went down to D.C. and we shot an interview with Fauci. And I had forgotten about it until like maybe like a year into like the lockdown or whatever the fuck it was. And like I hadn't talked to that dude in a while, but still, you know, friendly on social media. He hit me up. He's like, hey, man, do you remember when we interviewed like Dr. Fauci? And I'm like, I guess we would have because we talked to the head of the fucking. Like, do, you this- think, do you think forgetting it? It's like maybe some kind of weird like MK Ultra sort of thing. No, I just think it's like, why would I th- <laughs> you just take me seriously and just, no, I, it's actually probably this. No, it's just, I just forgot about it. Cause like, mm-hmm, likely. I, yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't classified or anything, but like <laughs> at the time, the video that we were working on was focusing on avian flu. Cause they were convinced it was going to be avian flu was going to be it. I also remember going to Havity Grace with a camera shooting a bunch of all the ducks and stuff is like B roll footage. Which, oh yeah. Anyway, that's my fault. I was going to say Fulci, Jesus, because it's a you know film podcast. I'm going to say Fulci over Fauci, but whatever. Anyway, to get into the actual <laughs> podcast, I guess. You know, that's what we should do since, you know, this is what we're doing here. I um, mean, it's all the podcast, bro. I guess it all is. I guess it's, I mean, we don't really have to talk about anything at this point. It's like, I don't, I don't fucking like movies anymore. I haven't liked movies in like two years. I don't know why we're doing a movie podcast. I'm trying to cheer this up, this guy up, you guys. You try to cheer me up. I'm trying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm fine. I I'm not that morose, but I want to talk about some cool shit that isn't movie related. But like your EP finally came out. You want to talk about that shit? Yeah, it's finally out, so I can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Fucker. And here and here I go. It's out. That's it. That's it. So your your band Double Life and Different Stars EP available on all the. Streaming platforms. I assume it's on Bandcamp too. And it's on all those things. Uh, yeah, I, I've seen it's been getting a, some good reactions there. Yeah, people seem to like it. You even got some offers like, "Hey, you want to play a show?" And you're like, "Dog, I ain't doing that." I'm not a fucking band, dude. <laughs> I, mean, I don't. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, it's a two-person band. It's not, you, you've talked about on here that it's not really a live component as of yet, but do you feel like the feedback is giving you that itch? Uh, I mean, the drummer is going to make me do it eventually. You're just going to see how many years you can hold off from doing it? Fuck yeah. <laughs> not even months, like years, literal yeah. years. No, I just got to write some more songs, man. We only got three songs. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that'd be it. You know, have you a perfect set, three songs. Damn, you're not you're not wrong. I mean, I I enjoy that because it's like sweet, and I can go home. I just like, you know, if I Uber or drive or depending where you play at, and like you know, it's early night. I I would appreciate if you only play three songs when you do play live. I think we're gonna write three more songs. We've got like a fifteen or twenty minute set. Yeah, you can do that. I guess, but you know, you could do the twelve minute set. I'm into it. I like it. I know some probably venues wouldn't be too into it and they would prefer you do like 20 but whatever yeah, yeah. well rick's, rick's got to drive here from simi valley so <laughs> 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 yeah i guess you have there is some incentive to play more than like 12 minutes i mean you can do some freestyling like you know noise nah never mind anyway um uh, but i want to say the record fucking is incredible it is definitely the best thing you have done musically from all the years of all the bands and stuff i've heard you do and gotta say I'm proud of you. Thanks, dog. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm glad it's getting out there. If you haven't checked it out yet, Indifferent Stars, Band is Double Life, listen to that shit. You know, Nick's only making, like, what is it, point one eight cents of fucking stream or something on that? I don't care. Yeah, he doesn't even care. I'm not paying attention to that shit. No, but give it a listen. It's good. If, if you like shoegaze and post-hardcore and, yeah, if you like that stuff, you should like it. If you don't like that stuff, tough shit. We're going to continually talk about bands like that. So, And you've you've been getting out there promoting the record, too. Talk about it. You were on um, our, our friend Kellen's podcast, the Kellen, Kellen's Petty Talk Show. Yeah, it was really fun. Kellen's awesome. Um, yeah, we, had a, we talked a lot of shit. Talked about murdering Green Day. Talked about murdering Arnold Schwarzenegger. Talked about murdering everyone. Yeah, well, I mean, I thought it was a good episode. And just, you know, after listening to it and hearing some of the shit talk, well, sorry, you're fired now. <laughs> <laughs> and Kellen's banned for life. No, I'm kidding. I, I I take it with grain of salt, but some of your opinions are just like, these little motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. These, these little motherfuckers. If I could, just, just getting together talking shit, dude. It's Hell like yeah. these, these little shit these talking. These little motherfuckers. <laughs> There's a couple. I mean, I laughed a lot at it, but I was like, them little, them little motherfuckers. He's egging me on, dude. It was like the thing. <laughs> the, the thing is, when sometimes when you say something ridiculous, I don't fucking try to push you to double down. But Kellen's like, "Oh yeah," so it's just yeah, like bro, you, gotta, you gotta yes and me sometimes a little bit, man. I got I got some great bits just waiting to get out, and you're just like, "Uh huh." Next. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just easier than having to edit it out later. <laughs> it's true, but yeah. I mean, so you've been doing that. Anything else been going on? It's been I don't know couple weeks since we've done a podcast uh i you know it's probably just the fucking usual of lots of work uh what has been going on man um i don't know man you know just dropping the record and just lots of fucking work as usual um yeah man haven't really even caught any movies lately i don't know just been fucking buying box sets apparently yeah, you got two fucking well, insane yeah. box sets. We'll talk about that. I mean, it's not really a, not really a listen in the read, watch, listen. You know, I've there, I haven't opened them. Well, I, I don't mean, have a record player. This is real talk. I don't have a record player. I mean, it's fine. It's just you know, it's I'll you, get there. You you can still talk about it because they're music and they're things you can listen to. Maybe not those exact things that you have in boxes right now, but you can listen to all the songs. One Life Crew is on Spotify. Is it just as of like yesterday? Damn, who put that on there? I wonder if it's a bootleg like the Charles Bronson. That's what makes me think of it. It's probably a bootleg. Yeah. Sort of like those yeah. grief records and like all that stuff. They'll get like, taken down, yeah. They'll get taken down. You know, when when those grief records popped, I was like, shit, I wanted like better versions because those were at least sonically better. And then they pulled them. Yep. And now I got to go fucking add them back to my iTunes because my old fucking CD rips. Mm-hmm. I don't know. First world problems, I guess. But i don't know it's you know it's now february as we're recording this which means january giallo 2024 is over and done you got to project a couple of these shows yeah man 
you did what I consider, I don't know, I mean, I'll, I'll get to it, but like you did two of them. You did um, Torso and Strange Vice and Mrs. War, and you also did Amok, right? I did. Did you do any of the other ones? Uh, I didn't, no, no. Um, or no, no, I'm sorry, I did... Um, did you just... I you did, did Psycho. Psychic. No, psychic. psychic, yeah. Psychic, Psycho, duh. Duh. So, yeah, you did a few of them, so... <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I I guess it's, this is my point, or not point, this is the point where, like, I'm going to kind of go over it and kind of verbalize and, like, decompress from all this, because this January was fucking insane for me. There was a day, we went to lunch, like, earlier this week, and I was like, I just need to fucking sleep. I'm not sleeping. And then, like, that day, I went home and, like, fell asleep at, like, 8 p.m. and slept to, like, nearly, like, 7 a.m. the next day. I was just burnt. But, you know, I'd say this, I think, cumulatively, it was the biggest January Giallo yet, for obvious reasons. But, like, you know, comparing numbers to last year, and I'm looking, I'm only talking about the Lost Fields 3 comparison, didn't have any sellouts this year, but it kind of wasn't designed that way. Mostly because, you know, there was a big thing, which was Sergio Martino in person. So I'm going to get to that, but I'm going to talk about kind of the LF3 stuff. Um, did have one bummer. And it's not, you know, in the grand scheme, it's like only minor. Is that our um, subtitler program stopped working. When I went to show my personal print of the killer still among us. <laughs> Which yeah, I know because I had to drive across town to pick it up, and then I brought it back, and it and it didn't work. Yeah, that, that was, was a wasted fucking trip, man. Well, I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it was. It's just a wasted like, day. I mean, I wasted like 150 bucks on this film print that oh, I'll probably man. never get to play. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we I did put up to vote, and I knew what the correct answer was, but like you know, there's part of me was like, I'll just watch this. It's like I could watch this fucking thing in Italian. It would have been really funny. Truly, it would have been funny, but like you know, if it. If it had been any other film where, like, it wasn't as dialogue-heavy, you could get away with it. But there's a lot of exposition and, like, police procedural stuff. So it's it's very dialogue-heavy. So it probably would have been a miserable experience for anyone who doesn't understand Italian. So playing the backup was the right call. But, you know, if that was the only thing that went wrong in, during January Giallo, then, you know, it's okay. Um, you projected a muck which i wasn't there for because i ended up being in chicago for that and i heard it was a pretty good crowd i know that print was wild print was wild uh the first reel was very warped and i had to just like ride the focus the whole time but the whole thing was uh very pink yeah i mean um, of course you know at, you know at least once once per january gl i gotta show like a suspect print it's not really you know it's not really January Giallo season unless you show some criminally faded print. I mean, as long as it's not falling apart in the projector, I say let's fucking let's go, man. I mean, there's a few more of those left that I haven't screened, so they'll be on the queue for at some point. And then the closeout Lost Fields three was a deep cut, and man, picked well for it, which was the Canadian thriller Stone Cold Dead. Uh, turns out this was a print that was struck in like early two thousands, like two thousand two or two thousand three roundabout. Never been played. No shit. Cool. I I only I looked at the uh, the title card just to get a photo for you, but uh, it looks super clean. I didn't see the rest of it, but oh, it it was it was fucking that print. The only dirt that was in it was baked in from when they struck it from the inner positive or whatever. Like it was just oh my god. It was you know I've gotten lucky. It's always the weirdest fucking films that have the best film prints. It was that. It was Night Game, which was another print that had, was never played. When we did Blood Games, like, that one I know had played, but, like, it hadn't played a lot. And where it played at was really good projectionist because that one was spotless, too. Uh, Meatballs Part 2 was another stellar one. So, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. Um, probably the least attended January Giallo of the five, but it makes sense because, one, it's a... Canadian Jason and two, no one knew what it was, but like afterwards, people were like, This was one of the best things I've ever seen. And it was a lot of fun with the crowd. Paul Williams as a pimp will just be burned in everyone's mind. There was a theme song that they played twice that got stuck in everyone's head. It's like, Strangers in the Night. I don't even know what that is, but like that song, like the way it was dropped in, just was like instantly just boring, like like a beetle into your ear and going right to your brain. I guess what they call what they call that um the earbug earworm earworm yeah that's what it is earworm. 
<laughs> whatever. But yeah, like that song was stuck in my head for a day after that screening. And I'm just like, fuck. Now I just want to fucking just bash my head open to get that song out. But like, no. I mean, it, the Lost Fields 3 lineup was pretty cool. Obviously, the biggest thing that happened was, hey, Sergio Martino was in town. And I got to say, professionally and personally, this was the biggest event I've ever done in my life. And I am really happy how it ended up and turned out. And I don't know. You know, it's kind of like I've tried not to fall into like cynical trappings of kind of like dismissing it and like kind of like taking it apart and like, well, just move on. But because that, that's been my nature for many years now. It's just like, hey, do something cool. Just move on. So instead, I've been really making a solid effort of like kind of embracing that, you know, this happened and it was really cool. And I don't know, it's kind of hard to like, you would think like it's really easy to enjoy things that you like or got to do that you've really been excited for. But like, you know, I, I it's kind of like the thing. And I don't know if you've ever had this tendency where you do something and or you have something that's coming up and you think about it a lot in your head and it plays out in your head. And then like, you know, you start building something up that like maybe can't live up to your expectations. And then you kind of get worried about it. It's not only that, but then once you get past it. Yeah. You know, there's that kind of, well, you know, is not, not only uh, what's the next thing, but just like that feeling, that feeling of like that dopamine crash. Really. Oh, and, you know? and I, you know, I got to prolong it because like, you know, on Saturday, my girlfriend, Leslie flew in, picked her up from the airport. Then we went and we had dinner with Sergio and some unnamed, you know, directors. We'll just leave it at that. <laughs> there's photos out there if you want to figure it out. But <laughs> there's my horror clout for you. I'm just not name dropping though, but you know, I mean, it was it was a good guest list, and it was a good group of people to like talk from many many walks of film life. So cool, um, Sergio. We had to move the Q and A to the front, which was like I think was gonna kind of be a bummer to me because like it meant that like one the Q and A wasn't gonna be as long, and I had done all this dumb research and like really planned things out, and it's just like you know what, it's not about me. It's about what he wants to do and like what he's going to talk about. So just kind of went with the flow. And like, it was a really fun Q and a at the Egyptian. Like, you know, he was funny, like had great jokes. The fucking, when I asked him about like making all his Giallo films different from each other. And he says like, you know, some people like to stir their soup one way. I like to stir it like multiple ways because it gets boring. And like he did the gesture and like it fucking had the crowd rolling. <laughs> But then, um, yeah, Sunday morning, um, Leslie and I, we flew out together. We flew to Dallas, and then she flew back to Baltimore, and I threw up the sh flew up to Chicago so I could do a second Sergio Martino Q&A. And, you know, in Chicago, it was kind of great. Like, I ended up having, like, eating four meals with them because, like, I want to give a shout-out to Stephanie Sachs, who was kind of instrumental in bringing Sergio over here. She was the connect that, like, kind of brought it together. Like, you know, got to spend a lot of time with him. He told lots of stories. He was he was a generally generally just a nice fucking great human being. Cool, man. And, you know, it's like he's very humble, but you know, he's he knows he's he knows what he's good, you know. He knows he what he did. He knows what he did. I mean, he <laughs> I think he's definitely like come to terms that like, you know, when those films came out, like a lot of critics shit on him, mm -hmm. which is what happens to a lot of genre stuff, but like, you know, probably in the last 15, 20 years, like, and I think like maybe in the last few years of doing January Giallo, there's definitely a reevaluation and people were kind of looking at these films different. It's not just me because obviously like it's just in the zeitgeist. I feel like Giallo, because there's been a lot of people that throw the word around like, Oh, there's a Neo Giallo and stuff like that. And mm -hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that a little bit, but like, I feel like, it's going to be at a peak and it's not just going to be people talk when people hear the word giallo, they just think Argento. And I think that's going to be going away in the mainstream of horror. And I think there's going to be a lot of room for people like Sergio Martino or Umberto Lenzi or Lucio Fulci. I know Fulci gets the zombie credit, but made some goddamn good giallo films too. Mm -hmm. So it, I think it's a nice kind of tide is turning thing. And I'm glad we got him out here when we did, because like he's, mid eighties right now. Yeah. So, you know, and I'm not trying to be fatalistic, but like how many more realistic opportunities would there be to do this? Mm -hmm. So I don't know. And 
yeah, just the Chicago Q&A. Oh, I should say I got to see the homie Will Morris. Shout out to Will. Sweet. Got to hang out and, you know, talk film stuff. And, you know, Will is one of my favorite people to hang out with. And, you know, that Q&A at Chicago, he did a completely different Q&A. I mean, I asked different questions. But he's like, for this one, I want to be more serious. L.A., I was making jokes and stuff. <laughs> so he, he he proceeded to tell this story about, like, one of the documentaries he made early in his career. He was, like, in Hawaii, like, I guess, looking at or filming the reactions of people waiting on the beach for, like, the ships to come in and bring their, like, sons back from war. And then just, like, the heartbreak when their son didn't get off the ship. Fuck. And this is leading into torso. Mm-hmm. And I see Will out the corner of my eye. Will's all giddy, like, oh, I can't believe he's telling the story. He's like, That's right <laughs> up Will's alley. And then I threw it. I, I, I was like, I can't end on <laughs> this. Especially because, like, 90% of the audience hadn't seen torso there. Oh, wow. It was crazy. Yeah. And the movie fucking killed. Like, but, you know, I asked him what his favorite movie was, and I can't remember the title of it, and... But he was like, it was like, you know, not a giallo or a crime movie or like anything stuff. It was like a really sentimental movie about like, you know, his childhood. That was his favorite movie. Like, you know, good for him. And he talked a lot about his biography that he wrote. And I kind of hope some po- at some point someone actually does a, you know, English translation of it. Because I definitely would like to read it. I mean, I've been trying to learn Italian, but it's going to be a while before I could like sit down and read a book. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm still kind of like... I'm fighting myself not to move on from this and just kind of savor and enjoy this. And, you know, I've, I've come from different feelings on this, which have been very conflicting. And, like, you know, on one hand, it's just like you want to be able to enjoy this thing. On the second hand, it's like, you know, it's like, well, it's done. Time to move on. But it's like, I don't want to do it on this one. And, you know, that's also been the whole contemplation of, like, you know, Undertaker's last ride that I've been half joking about, like, well, maybe this is it. Yeah. I mean, there's a point after that, those Sergio Martino events, it's like, man, I don't know if I can just go back and do screenings. Obviously, I did. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. I'm just trying to take a different perspective, especially it's a new year, new day rising kind of thing. But, you know, as January Giallo grows, it's it's gotten bigger, and it's probably, you know, it's it's a good thing and it's probably a bad thing. And it's a good thing because it's like more people are checking out those films. But at the same time, it's going to start falling into like the zeitgeist of like things of people who, you know, want to monetize it for their own good, which is, you know, I can't control anything, you know. But like, I don't know. I, I think of things like November where people like had obviously created something and then people just kind of running away with it. And then like, it's I think I've mentioned before, it's kind of like a meme. Like, mm-hmm. you know, someone creates a meme. It memes don't just come out of the ether. Yeah. But then, like, you lose authorship. And it's kind of weird, I mean, for me. And it's just, like, there's definitely people that use January Giallo and then just pretend, like, what I've done in the last, like, seven, going to be soon, eight years next year mm-hmm. of doing it doesn't exist. Yeah. But clearly, it had to come from somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I've just come to the point is that, you know, it's it's an event I created. I'm glad there's so many other theaters that are participating. And I want to give a shout out to Mark of the Coolidge, Kay at Salem Harfest, both Keith and Teresa over the C Film Center, um, Adam at the, the Little Theater in Rochester, um, you know, Central Cinema in Knoxville, who had a few, I think, snow dates and had to reschedule some of theirs. The the Belcourt in Nashville had to cancel both their shows, and I think they're doing them in February because of snow. Oh, wow. Um, there was a venue in New Mexico. I'm sorry. I'm just, like, forgetting all the venues. But there was a lot of people this year and a lot of unified fronts. So it was cool to see people, like, you know, doing it, like, yeah. this big. And I guess the other question I have for myself is, like, how do you top it? Yeah. And my answer is maybe, maybe I don't, maybe it's not, it's the kind of thing you don't try to top. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's going to be like a whole like steep crash next year. Well, you know, it's like, uh, sure. It's a, it's a big, huge event. It's a culmination of, of the years of work. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, but at the same time, you're just doing your thing, man. Yeah. It's just another day at the fucking office, man. You're just doing it. Yeah. And so it's like, you don't have to top it. You just keep doing shit. And it's like more shit like this will happen. And, you know, I mean, 
you know, to, to say something else tops this or something anyway is just a fucking opinion. No, but you, I, you know what I mean? It's like, how do you, what's bigger than that? I don't know. No, I mean, you know, it's, it's all in, in the eye of the beholder anyway. So just like, keep doing your fucking thing and keep rocking. And that's all it is. Yeah. I mean, I've just come to terms that like, there's only a few things that would actually really in the eyes of people and maybe in my own eyes would top it. There's Edwidge Fennick in person. Sick. I mean, but who knows if that would ever happen? Obviously, you know, I know Dario Argento has already been, mm-hmm. he's been in the States before. Yeah. Him come for January would be a big deal. But like, really, there's not too many big things like that you can do. Yeah. And it's like, you know, there's only a certain amount of prints left. But like this year, I did quite a few DCPs, which was the first. The mm-hmm. last time I did any DCPs was during the, the Palma Argento year. Yeah. But, you know, it's okay. And like, you know, those movies still had a good crowd. So it also kind of opens things up because there's a lot of Giallo films that like are available digitally that aren't available on 35, at least here, unless, you know, someone like Harry Guerrero finds a print in Italy and brings it over and do yeah. it like that. But at the same time, I don't know what the status of our soft subtitler is, which is something, I mean, I guess we got a year to figure that one out. Yep. But, you know, I don't, I don't think topping is the right call anyway i think it's just like you know it's a it's a high point but you know there's things that could just make it grow without being like this big singular event thing you know there's you know i going to going to the coolidge this year they had their biggest crowds yet so it's expanding every three years music box has fucking insane numbers on their screenings yeah like when we did Sergio there they did two nights i wasn't there for the second night i don't know how many they did but like the night i was there was like 556 people on a Monday. That theater seats like 700. It looked packed. Fuck, man. Um, Was it just uh, Torso and and Miss Ward both nights, or was it? Uh, No, they they did Torso one night, and they did Mrs. Ward the second night. Oh. So they had that show after, like, travel is already booked. So, and then also it's like, he didn't need to do three Q&As with me. Yeah, right on. I'm, I'm sure he was like, oh, this fucking guy again? Yeah. Not really. I'm just joking, but like... I don't know. It's so I think the way it is, is not, you know, not look at a big singular event, but just like, you know, everyone that started doing their series like years after I started, like getting traction and building it up on their own, you know, more venues get picked up. I do want to give a shout out to Eddie who does popcorn reef. He used to be the void marketing manager because he, he did a pretty cool one down in San Diego, which I drove down for and was how how do I put it? it? You know, San Diego is like two hours away, and I left a little too late, so it was a three and a half hour drive. Yeah, but he did opera and um, catch a strip to kill, and that did good. And I want to make sure I give him a shout out because he was very instrumental in a lot of the Jan- January Jallo press stuff that went out the previous years. Right on. But I don't know. I I think you know, looking at January Jallo, it's like I'm not. There's no way to top it, and. That's another mindset because I feel like when you do screenings and stuff, sometimes you're like, how do you top this? And it's like, maybe you don't. Maybe you just keep going forward and just like yeah. kind of just follow like the flow. And I'm okay with that. And, you know, speaking of things that aren't January Giallo related, um, this is going to, by the time this comes out, um, we're already going to be February and this lineup has been announced. But, you know, part of the reason why this is coming late is because I don't, everything just really got confirmed and tickets went on sale pretty much this week as we're recording it, which is the return of Voidentines, which is usually, I do some kind of series like that every February. Last year was Killer Obsession, but it's Voidentines. There's some just bad love romantic aspect to it. And I kind of want to talk about this lineup a little bit, as in I'm kind of proud of it because it's weird in the best way. And this kind of comes back to what I said about trying to top things last year was my biggest year. The lost field is three, like not even fucking close. Like I averaged 110 people per screening. Hell yeah. And you know, I sold out 21 of the 50 screenings I did there, which not quite 50%, but that's still pretty good. And there's definitely a few screenings where it was like, five or 10 away from a sellout. So instead of getting that mentality of like, got to do better, got to sell out more screenings, whatever it's like, you know, there's, there's a certain 
you know, number I got to hit every week on average. And I fucking smash that pretty easily. I mean, so I feel like, you know, this year I'm going to focus on doing things that like maybe I want to do regardless of like how it does or doesn't do and kind of get back to more of the core, like void thought process. So I'm going to talk about this February lineup here. Um, Coming in on the 5th of February, by this podcast will already be out by by the time this screening, this screening would already happen, but still should mention it. Going to do Durfan from 1982, starring, or directed by Eckhart Schmidt and starring Desiree Nosbush. Have you ever seen this movie or know what it's about? Uh, no. Um, basically, it's about this girl that's obsessed with the singer of this post-punk band. Mm-hmm. And... You know, singer kind of vibes with her and like basically, you know, pretends like he wants her to be his girlfriend. Obviously, they hook up and then he doesn't want anything to do with her. So she kills him and eats him. Oh, shit. It it is kind of definitely where art house meets horror. So it's art horror has a really great fucking um, I don't know if you know the band Reinhold, like post punk band. No, like has a really good post punk kind of that kind of soundtrack. Cool. Um, this has been on my list of screen for a while since I knew Agfa was getting it. It was actually at one point I was going to do it last year, but like it was part of a, a lineup pitch that did not get approved, so it didn't happen. So I figured, fuck it, do it this year. And even with tickets going on sale late, I can say like they're selling really, really well at this juncture. Right on. So you know, I I think it's a movie that's been on the zeitgeist for a lot of people. It's like, it's a deep cut, but it's not. It's on like the cusp of things. Sort of like when I did Valerie's Week of Wonders kind of thing. Just like, it's it's a movie that people have heard of but haven't seen. And hey, what better way to see a movie than in a movie theater? Um, I'm actually skipping what would be the literal eight-year anniversary Cinematic Void, which would have been the 12th of um, February because the Cinematheque booked the, I think they have an award season screening that night. So I got bumped for that. So, although I won't be celebrating on the exact date Cinematic Void had its first screening eight years ago, um, skipping a week and going to the 19th of February and showing the new restoration by Grindhouse releasing of Hollywood 90028. This is the timely suspense story of the year. Filmed in the most sex-oriented locale of the world, Hollywood 90028. This is the story of the thousands of pretty young girls who come to Hollywood to find stardom and find instead they have to survive any way they can. Hollywood 90028 is the address where you'll find countless girls doing things they never thought they would do and meeting people they never dreamed of meeting, not even in their wildest nightmares. Hollywood 90028, the sex and sun capital of the world, becomes the setting for one of the most bizarre stories in years when a man who cannot control his strange desires goes hunting in Hollywood for ways to satisfy them. All Hollywood becomes his hunting ground as he stalks his pretty young prey. From the bright lights of the Sunset Strip to shining sands, and he cannot and will not stop. But even in a town where anything goes, you can go too far, looking for just one more thrill. It's not my fault. I'm not responsible. The hunter and the prey together for one of the most talked about stories in the most talked about town in the world. There was no other way to tell this story of a man that not even love could stop and the girls that not even love could help. And there are those who have survived that still say there are only desires, never love, in Hollywood 90028. One of the craziest fucking exploitation movies ever made. I've never heard of this in my life. Um, is that East Hollywood? I mean, I, it's... Ah, I think it's the zip code where the office and the Egyptian is. Oh, two eight. Yeah, maybe two eight is over there. Two eight. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So right in the thick of the bullshit. Right in the thick of the bullshit. I've only seen shitty versions of it, and like this is like a restoration that has played festivals. I don't, I'm sure it's had a few theatrical, but it's going to be the L.A. least premiere of this restoration on the 26th of February. I'm doing a movie I wanted to do last year. Uh, ran into some problems finding the materials for it course after i booked the alternative which was detroit rock city because i switched out of adam rifkin movie for adam rifkin movie found out where there was not one but two prints of this ad so finally put it in i talked to adam he's going to be coming out to it hopefully going to have a few more guests probably some of the producers of the movie but 
showing the motherfucking the chase. Kick him over to me, Pele. My name is Jack. You are Natalie. Millionaire Dalton Voss's daughter is being held hostage by this man. You got to Mexico, no? No, boy. That's where we're headed. This is Chief Boyle. Get after that BMW. Domino's Pizza. You hurt my little girl, Hammer. I swear to God, I'll kill you myself. Why me? I go in for some cigarettes and I wind up kidnapping the daughter of Dalton Voss. What are the odds? Oh, did you see that? That medical school truck is filling out. It's a cadaver. Now that's disgusting. So you're going to tell me why you're on the run? I was convicted of a crime I did not commit. Time to stop those little shit. Hermsdale. Time to be heroes. Mr. Blood. Tonight, there's terror on the freeway. I'm really scared. Can you, can you see the look on their faces? Hey, hey, look at that. You're folk here already. This is ridiculous. This is Frank Smith! I don't believe this. Smith! It's easy for us reporting this story to forget there's a very scared little girl inside that car. Do you have a girlfriend? No, I don't have a girlfriend. What kind of nut is this? You haven't been with a woman in a couple years. Things can get really messy now. So it's conceivable that you'd never be with a woman ever again, right? Right. He's swimming all over for. What are you doing? I'm in love with you. It's hard to tell just how far he's gonna go with this, Bill. Hey, look! The chase. Getting there is twice the fun. Starring um, Charlie Sheen and Christy Swanson. The, it's a, always been a favorite of mine. Hell yeah, dude. Bringing Charlie out. Let's <sighs> fucking go. Get that tiger's blood ready, man. I mean, I. it'd be crazy if he came out. I'm just going on record now to say I will do hard drugs with Charlie Sheen. Does he still do hard drugs? I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't, <laughs> I, I don't know what he's been up to as of late, but. He's been laying low. I mean, maybe maybe this is the maybe this is the thing he needs to come get himself back in the limelight, come out of the screen of the chase. Like this movie's a lot of fun. Like last year when I was trying to invite people, I reached out to Henry Rollins because he's in it, and found out he no longer lives in L.A. Because mm-hmm. I think he's he's like Georgia or something. I think it was Tennessee. I I feel like he's mm-hmm. like creating. I I read what he was doing because apparently he sold his record collection too. Oh shit! I mean, I could be just making up shit here, but like it's a. I would imagine it would be a lot to move across the other side of the country. Yeah. You know? I mean, I forget what he's doing. I mean, I could have looked it up and wrote in the notes, but you know, just look up and see what Henry Rollins is doing. There's a couple of articles about it where he's talking about like, yeah, I'm taking a big chance here. Wow. But, um, I mean, he's in this movie. Um, I think Ray wise is in it. Um, flea and Anthony Kiedis from the chili peppers have a cameo in it. I mean, the movie's just fucking fun. Has a ep- soundtrack from epitaph. Like cool. circa ninety four, is it? It's not actually on Epitaph. I don't the, the soundtrack, sound, you know. but there's a lot of Epitaph bands on mm-hmm. the soundtrack. I mean, cool. the one I can think of is like the pre, you know, whatever, the pre Offspring Smash record. I forget what that one's called. I think it's called Ignition. There's some songs. Yeah, I think so. There's the it's what, like ten foot pole. Yeah, pull, pulley. Yeah, I, I think there's some it's like I, that era. It's like you know when Epitaph was just like you know sound remotely bad religion. Oh yeah. You're you're on the label and you're on the soundtrack. Cool, but I, I actually think it works. Like, I mean, I'm excited to see this on the big screen on a film print. Yeah, man. And like Adam Rifkin, one of the coolest filmmakers, and you know, makes a lot of fun movies. Like, like I said, did Detroit Rock City last year. So, but that was the replacement for doing the chase and nothing is Detroit rock city. That was a fun screening. That was a great screening actually, but like, God damn it. I can't wait to see the chase on the big screen. And to close out the month of February, since we got booted off the 12th, we got, I was gifted the 29th leap day or for leap year. That's a Thursday. And I'm hoping you're not projecting, or if you're projecting, you're projecting this show. Cause I want you to come up and introduce this with me, which is a movie from our high school days. 
Um, it's a shot on video movie produced by J.R. Bookwater and directed J.R. Bookwater did the dead next door and robot ninja and shit like that. Mm-hmm. Actually has a new movie out called, um, I think called side effects might may vary that just had a screening at the, I think the auto bar. Oh, weird. Okay. I saw photos that I think Bruce Holacek and Chris LaMartina posted. Cool. But, um, the movie's actually directed by Matthew Jason Walsh. It's called bloodletting. I want to learn how to kill. What did you just say? I want to be a serial killer, just like you. When I kill somebody, I treat it like jerking off. You think if you've got a knife and some snuff films, you start talking like you just fell out of a Quentin Tarantino movie, that somehow you'll just magically become the next Ted Bundy. Hi, how you doing? I've never done that before. I've never, never killed a baby before. Seriously? Yeah. First one. Wow. So, I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about this bad boy? I mean, it's something that uh, that I found uh, at just like the local. It wasn't a blockbuster. It was just like a local mom and pop uh, like VHS store uh, that was close to where Jim and I both lived in uh, in Harvard County, Maryland. And uh, it's just one that I just grabbed because of the cover, you know, just like watched it on a whim. And uh, and loved it. And ended up showing it to you and showing it to a bunch of people for sure. What, what, were you the were you the were you patient zero on this one? Because like I, I, I really think I was. I mean, I'm not gonna doubt it because I yeah. can't remember how I saw it. Because like yeah, I, I really think it was just super random, and I just was kind of floored by it. I I think I was kind of aware of it because I'd seen J.R. Bookwater movies, but mm-hmm. like yeah, because we the the movie's a lot of fun. It's it's basically it's you know it's shot on video, natural born killers, but like. Yeah more fun yeah yeah. and like you know it's got some fast dialogue um obviously if if you want to go on the patreon and hear episode one where we actually talk about this movie and i think we even played a sound clip we sampled it in like early inspite demo and i don't know i'm excited to see it i don't know how it's going to play i don't know how many people are actually going to give this one a chance but like you know for shot on video movies this one's a lot of fun has a ridiculous like stoner metal song in the beginning where he's like dream of witches or whatever that mm-hmm. thing is. I mean, I just, I think it's a lot of fucking fun. Where are you sourcing this from? Uh, ACFA. Oh, it's on, it's, um, ACFA has all the Tempe video, which was J.R. Bookwater's production company. Cool. They, and they got like robot ninja and dead next door. I might do robot ninja at some point. Right on. I don't know how that one will play, but like, cause it's, <laughs> have you ever seen robot ninja? No. Uh, it's J.R. Bookwater doing like a comic book movie, but also doing a gore movie at the same time. Cool. It's duality is like facing off where it's like, it's not, I mean, it's, it's not, it's not Batman enough. It's like, it could be like a low budget kind of fun Batman movie, but then like there's fucking gnarly kills in it. Like Robot Ninja has like two like knives on his hand kind of thing. He's like stabbing people in the fucking eyes and shit. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really rad. I mean, if this one does well, I'll probably do Robot Ninja yeah. later this year. Cause cool. I think it's a lot of fun. And kind of going to be cheating here. going to talk about something at, in March because by the time this podcast comes out, this should be announced. And if it's not, well, it's going to happen anyway because it's all booked. Guests are booked. So a little teaser for those of you who listen. Uh, we're going to be returning to the Egyptian Theater on March 8th, which is a Friday. Showing a movie that was shot predominantly around Hollywood Boulevard and Sunset and all that area. It's a little movie called Vice Squad, directed by Gary Sherman. Ah! Ah! Newspapers only print it. <laughs> Television can only record it. Now, one motion picture lets you experience it as it's never been shown before. <laughs> Go. Squad. The real story. Radar. Now playing at a theater near you. Speaking of Gary Sherman, I actually met him for the first time in person in Chicago because that's where he lives now. He was at the Sergio Martino screening and came and watched the Q&A and stuff. Mm-hmm. I think the next night when I was in there, he had dinner with Sergio. But Gary Sherman directed um, Dead and Buried as well as um, Death Line, which was released under the title Raw Meat. So Gary's made some bangers. But out of all the movies... It's a tough call. I think I like Vice Squad the best. And when I the day I got back and I was going to work after flying in from Chicago, I got an email from Matt from La La Land Records. And it's like, hey, 
we've been working on a documentary on actor Wings Hauser, who's one of the actors in Vice Squad. He's, Wings is in a ton of stuff. He's just a great character actor. There was actually a scare during the pandemic where people thought he died. And it was like, no, no, he's still alive. They had to do one of those. But Matt was like, hey, um, we would like to do Vice Squad on at the Egyptian Theater so we can do the movie on Hollywood Boulevard. And we'll bring Gary Swanson and Wings Hauser out for it. Mm-hmm. And I was like, let me go put an ask. And got, got the S right away. So, yeah. so yeah, March 8th, Vice Squad, Wings Hauser, Gary Swanson person. Uh, I'm probably going to show a clipper two from the docu- the Wings Hauser documentary to go with it, but I don't know. I'm excited for this. Cool. So it's kind of, you know, not trying to top Sergio Martino, but do something on that same kind of level because, like, th- this is kind of a dream. Very sick. You know, it's a, it's a dream screening and a dream Q&A. It's like, shit, yeah, I want to do a Q&A with fucking Wings Hauser. Hell yeah. I've been hearing you say Wings Hauser for the last 25 years, and I have no fucking clue who that is, but that's fine. I'll, fi- I'll find out. Yeah, dude. <laughs> we'll, we'll watch some of the non-Vice Squad stuff, but, like, he, he plays Ramrod, which is, like, a sadistic pimp. Cool. Not not like the kind of fun, lovable Paul Williams pimp in, like, Stone Cold Dead. Mm-hmm. Like, Wings he, Wings also sings the fucking, like, theme song in the movie, which is Neon Slime. Oh, nice. Okay. I think we might have talked about that when we did the Soundtrack Serenade episode, mm-hmm. which is... God, I don't even know what fucking episode that is, but it's on the Patreon, exclusively there, with all the other episodes that we... I don't want to say we don't like, but... <laughs> they, they've, they've aged out. They're only for diehards. There you go. They're, they're for diehards. If you really want to hear... The early things of the Void podcast. There it is. So, um, and to kind of close out this section of the podcast here, since this is really we only got two sections today because we didn't watch a fucking movie. Um, mentioned earlier, um, this month February, Cinematic Void turns eight. Seems like only yesterday that we turned four. Um, actually, when we started the podcast, one of the I think one of the early episodes again, plugging the Patreon mm-hmm. early episode thing, we. It was about the four-year anniversary screening True. that I did, which was um, Day of the Dead and Death Wish 3. Oh, yeah. And um, I remember Mike Felix doing a chant called Four More Years, Eight is Enough. Yeah. So, I don't know. Is Mike going to be a prophet? Is this going to be last year's Cinematic Void? Honestly, I don't know. I I think this year, and I you know talk about ups and downs, Like I kind of just want to see where things go and, like, I've talked about it before. Like, you know, I, I'm not trying to top things, but there has to be some kind of forward motion or like growth or something like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's going to be evaluation year. Just see what happens. But yeah, no, I mean, when I started doing this, I didn't even think I'd make fucking three months. So eight years later, Fair here we are. And that means we've done this fucking podcast for four years. Ain't no way. Yeah, it was. And then coming up in March, that's going to be four years of the cinematic movie. God damn. Fucking time is time is not real. Yeah, well, good. We're, we're going to take a commercial break here. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this pod and t- do read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Hi, kids. We're the Care Bears, and we have a special Valentine message just for you. Call us right now at 1-900-909-5678, and we'll tell you how we're getting ready for Valentine's Day in Carolot. We'll have new, exciting stories for you every day. Remember, Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And there's cards to make, cakes to bake, and, and all, all kinds, kinds of fun, fun we can have, have together. together. $2 the first minute, 45 cents each additional minute. Kids, please check with your parents before you call. Cards and gifts can be found in any shop, but if it's quality chocolates you want, there's only one place to stop. Philadelphia Candies creates real milk and dark chocolates in their modern factory and serves it fresh to you with personalized service. Choose from beautifully hand-decorated solid chocolate or white hearts and novelties or from our large selection of heart boxes filled with delicious Philadelphia chocolates. So if you want to give chocolates to your sweetie this Valentine's Day, why not give the best? Remember, at Philadelphia Candies, chocolates are our specialty. Valentine's a special day for love that's old. A Carvel cake and say, I love you. We make fresh ice cream every day at Carvel. Check your mailbox for this money-saving Carvel coupon book or pick one up at your local Carvel dealer. Welcome back. It's now time for... Watch, 
Cinematic Void Podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast. All right, Nick, what have you been reading, watching, and or listening to? Um, uh, I've been reading the... Um, I've been reading God Jr. by Dennis Cooper, but I'm not finished, so I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, let's see. Watch. I just watched Tie Me Up, Tie Me Down by Almodovar. And... It was all right. I like some of his other stuff more. I think I like Matador more. Matador's all timer. Matador's sick. Uh, but yeah, this one's is cool. It's cool. I don't know. It just didn't. It was all right. Um, fucking. I just watched. Um, I don't know, man. I've been. I'm fucking busy, homie. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> really, I have not been able to watch movies. Um, I guess I just watched Black Moon. Um, that's a sick one. Uh. To be or not to be. You watch that? Yeah, I just watch that. We're screening it this weekend, I think. So, and I've just had the Criterion. I'm trying to. I have like, I have like 30 Criterion that I bought that I just haven't watched yet. So I'm just like, you know, I've a lot. I buy a lot of them. Like I buy them like when I see them. You know, it's like, oh, I really yeah. fucking like this, so I buy it. But there have been a few where they're either just like unavailable to stream or something like that. Or I'm just like, I know I'm gonna really like it. I buy it, and then I just never fucking watch it. <laughs> So I'm kind of trying to just plow through that. Uh, it's actually that whole cube right there in front of us. Yeah. So I'm trying to just like plow through all those that I haven't seen. Um, so that was just the to be or not to be. And Black Moon were both part of that. We're just like, all right, let me let me just watch all the shit I've been buying, dude. Um, so that's a, that's a good thing to do. It's always, you know, catch them on the watch pile. Yeah, man. You also got to pile my criteria. Yeah, here. right. It's just more watch pile, man. Uh, speaking of which, I, I, I'm going to just put it out there unless something changes. Maybe we'll watch next, Nashville for the next episode. Hell yeah. Or that we'll watch Nax, Nashville, then we're going to do a day or two of recording. We're going to do Nashville, Shortcuts, The Player, and Three Women. We're going to do one a week and do a month of a month of Altman. All right. Like, fucking challenge accepted. I mean, I, it's up <laughs> it to your fun. schedule. It sounds fun. No, I mean, I, I, I would like to do a month of Altman. I mean, maybe we'll just... I don't know if those are the four titles you want to do. I just grabbed the four criterion that I know are like in front of me. I mean, but... we, we already did images. The only, the only yeah. one I would suggest, but if you want to just do criterion, it's fine. The other one, the images we already talked about on the Giallo Jason and mm-hmm. um, Bruce McLeod is one of my personal favorites. You but... know, never seen it. So that's definitely on the list. So maybe we can change one of those out for that. No, nah, I mean, let's, I mean, I don't even have a copy. It's Warner Archive stuff. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. let's, do, let's do Nashville. Let's do the player. Let's do shortcuts. And let's do three women. I mean, we'll, we're doing a couple of the fucking like long boys. Yeah. Actually, not a couple. I think three to four are fucking <laughs> long boys. Sure. It's like fucking nine hours of Altman right there. Let's do it. Fuck yeah. Um, and then, uh, listen, I've been listening to the, uh, Tommy Keen places are gone, uh, EP. I think it's like maybe 89 or 90 or something, but sick as hell, like right up there with like the fucking replacements and shit like that. You know, it's just like, just all the song, all tracks are bangers, just like big fucking songs. Um, also been listening to... Uh, also, I've been listening to uh, this band called Driver Eight, which I f- I actually just found like I don't know anything about them, but I think they they were uh, on some like Christian label in the nineties. It's definitely some Christian rock, uh, <laughs> but like named after an REM song, you know. Um, but they sound kind of like uh, somewhere between like the Smashing Pumpkins and the Posies or something like that. Like it's definitely just some like jangly, like but not like heavy like the Smashing Pumpkins got. It's definitely more on the jangly posy side. But the singer just sometimes very much sounds like Billy Corgan. Um, but yeah, great fucking record, man. I, I'm going to find out more about this band and see if they ever press that on vinyl. Um, I'm sure no one else cares, but it's just like floating on streaming. I, I just like went from, I don't know, I was jamming these other Christian <laughs> rock bands <laughs> <laughs> um, and found that. Um, yeah, fucking uh, this band called Skymender. I just got their record. Uh, they're from D.C. And uh, my buddy Dwayne, uh, who used to be in Cross My Heart, plays i think he plays drums on this record um but i know him as a guitar player but i guess he's a drummer now um and uh i just got that charles bronson box set that's crazy i haven't opened it yet so not really listen but like you know how many times have i heard youth attack in my life like it's it's you know 
You probably know that like the it's second printed you... in my fucking DNA at this point. I know every drum fill, every lyric, every. All you gotta do is look at the fucking box, and it'll just like start like from the fucking frightener sound yeah, clip dude. to the ten the midnight sound clip to close it. Mm-hmm. And that's because I'm a movie nerd, and I know where all those fucking references come from. Right, dude. Hell yeah, man. And I also got the uh, glass draw box set that's all the LPs, including the ones that were never pressed on vinyl. Um, but I was late on that one and only got to black vinyl with the white covers. But looks super sick. Comes with a book. And uh stoked to have those. So not listen, but I mean, you know, I listen to glass draw all the time. Let's be real here. I mean, it's just, a, I mean, rewatch, listen, and look. Yeah. You're looking at it. I, I can I'm see the collecting. Yeah, or collect. I mean, I'm, you know, I, I can we see have episodes about like not how how collecting shit is stupid. <laughs> well, you know, it's it's one vice for another. Like you know, you, I can stop collecting Blu-rays, but I'll find something else to spend money on. So yeah, man. I mean, shit. I I don't know. I bought that. I didn't get the Charles Bronson box set. I just rebought Youth Attack on vinyl to replace the original press that you had got me way back in like fucking ninety-seven, ninety-eight, yeah. or whatever it was. So, I don't know. I was happy to open it. Had the poster in it. Fucking, it's, you know, pretty much exact. I haven't listened Hell to yeah. it yet, but I'm sure that both sides are 45s, but. Is it, it's remastered? It's remastered. I mean. Cool. Interesting. I mean, wasn't it recording like 8-track or 4-track or something like that? Maybe 16-track. Mm. Yeah. I can't remember. What, I mean, I guess you can, re, I mean, technology now, you could probably go back and clean that shit up. I mean, but that, I mean, I don't know. I just think of every everything about that record was perfect. Like um, imagining it sounding better, and I'm not even if I, just not even sure if I want anything changed, you know. But excited to check it out. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm very curious. Uh, I don't know if you noticed. Is there a download code for that new remastered version in your LP? There was if, not one from what I saw. I wonder if there's something like that. Uh, in I mean, the, in the box set, I don't. I, I mean, does Youth Attack normally do that? I mean, I guess not. But like, man. I don't know. I guess yeah. The format's the format, huh? You just get you got what you get. It's on it's on vinyl and not on streaming for a reason. Like, I don't know, dude. That's what it is. I mean, bro, cool. I mean, I still got my old rips from the discography CD. So yeah. Oh man, I I probably have those on a hard drive or something. But I'm gonna dig around. If if not, I'm gonna have to grab those from you. I mean, I still owe you all those blank rips and stuff like that. Oh fuck yeah! You just gotta remind me of it. But anyway, um. For my read, I've still been reading Italian Giallo and Film and Television, A Critical History by Roberto Curti. I'm actually now into the 60s, so I'm talking about Baba. I think I'm just about where they start talking about like the Inverto Lindsay and kind of the more erotic thriller Gialli that came before Argento's Bird with the Crystal Plumage. Really excellent book. I mean, I know it's not January Giallo anymore, but I'm going to still read the fuck out of the book because, I mean... It's just, it's fucking goddamn good, enlightening, interesting. It's, you know, mm-hmm. it's what I, you know, sometimes when you get film theory books or film history books, they're fucking dry. You're like, this shit's boring. I mean, if, why do they even make films or whatever? Yeah. But this one kind of like just rejuvenates it and kind of goes into like, you know, what's going on in Italy, background and stuff. It's highly recommended. Highly expensive, but highly recommended. Uh, for watch, um... Couldn't remember if I talked about this or not on the podcast, but according to my letterbox, I watched this after Black Belly the Tarantula. So clearly, since we watched that day and logged it that day, I watched it after, so we didn't talk about it. I mean, I could have went back and listened to the podcast, but why the fuck would I do that? I right on. So anyway, um, Virtual Date Night with Leslie We was a movie called When Evil Lurks on Shudder. Goddamn, it is a mean, nasty fucking movie. Okay. Like, really fucking good. I know it played Beyond Fest and was one of the big, like, surprise kind of hit things there. Oh, really? And I heard a lot of good things, and goddamn it delivered. Um, okay. So definitely recommended. Definitely recommended. Okay. If, you, if you still have my Shutter account on your yeah, I should, TV, I should jump, jump on that shit. You know? Cool. Okay. Um, Rewatch The Wounded Fawn, even though I've told Leslie a few times I've already seen it, and then she's like, you didn't tell me we already, you already seen it. I was like, yeah, I saw it when it came out like a year ago. But I kind of wanted to rewatch it anyway, directed by the homie Travis Stevens, who was on an episode of the podcast, which is available in the main feed for now. Right on. But he was actually on the Umberto Lindsay episode, or one of the Umberto Lindsay episodes we did, who the fuck knows, like 10 years ago or three, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, really interesting movie. Gorgeously shot in Super 16 millimeter. Like, that's one thing I like. Like, some indie filmmakers like him, Joe Bagos, and all that are shooting on film. 
And that shit looks nice. Yeah. So that was a nice rewatch. On my own, I watched Subal Flesh, which is um, directed by Joe Lynch and kind of was like originally a movie written that Stuart Gordon was going to do, and then he didn't get to do it. Stars Heather Graham, Barbara Crampton, cameo about Jonah Ray, um, Bruce Davison's in it. Um, wasn't big on it. Yeah. Um, wanted to like it. I feel like it was too, I guess my complaint is like, it's not bad. It just, I felt a little too self-aware and kind of leaned into like, I think the premise was doing more of a, like a nineties erotic thriller thing. Mm -hmm. And like, I feel like maybe some of it was intentional, but it just didn't work for me. And you know, I'm, I'm sure there's people that really would get into it, but it was all right. Cool. That just wasn't, I'm not that big on it and you know kind of wanted something else out of it that it wasn't going to deliver. So that's where we're at. Uh, listen, been listening at the Indifferent Stars EP by Double Life, little band you might have heard of, Nick. Oh, shit. So, shit's sick. Um, there's a new single by Kim Gordon called Bye Bye. I guess Kim Gordon's put out a trap record. Is it really? I think you sent it to me and I, I didn't click on it. My I mean, the song, the song is kind of like, you know, it's kind of industrial trap. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't want to say Nine Inch Nails, but like, it's definitely... I mean, the song, basically the lyrics are like, it sounds like she's going over her checklist to travel. Okay. It's like shampoo, body wash. Okay. Cool. Like stuff. Anyway, it, it's very Kim Gordon. Cool. But like, it's got a nasty fucking beat to it. Like, I like it a lot. Hell yeah. Um, Listen to this band, Cosmic Joke, that um, it's came out through Hardlore. Mm -hmm. But it, I forget the other bigger label is attached to it. Um, Self-titled record. Basically hardcore punk mm -hmm. and definitely more punky than hardcore. Like, you know, the, yeah. the guy definitely does like a couple like nods, like Gorilla biscuits or minor threat, like vocally. Yeah. It just fast, hardcore record. Enjoyable. Cool. Nice. Doesn't overstay. It's welcome. Uh, um, there's an EP by the lungs. They dropped a bunch of singles off of this. And then the EP just came out this year. I don't know. I guess there's a delay with it. Mm -hmm. Pretty good. Kind of noise, Rocky, a little bit hardcore. Cool. Yeah. Um, Benny the Butcher dropped his, I guess, what would you call it? Like major label debut oh, okay. on Def Jam called Everybody Can't Go. Um, I don't dislike it. I don't love it. Mm -hmm. I think it's all right. I, I've seen a lot of people, and I think you were telling me a lot of people have like been hyping it a lot. Um, all the beats are by Hit Boy or Alchemist. Cool. So I just, I mean, there's songs I like on it. I just like, I... I think when they were putting out like fucking records every other month, like mm -hmm. the, the whole Griselda camp, yeah, like there was a peak and like I, maybe it's just like burnout from all that stuff. And then by the time they're having their big moment, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like there's a couple of things in there that kind of I don't want to say soften the edges, but definitely like trying to be more commercially front, commercially friendly mm -hmm. in a ways. I mean, it's it's not bad. I mean, it's just like, I don't know. If it's out of a scale from one to ten, it might be six and a half, seven. Okay. So it's not it's not bad and just like I've given it listens. Um I know the last track is not my favorite at all. That one I just can't fuck with, but Oh really? Um has a good has a good stove god cooks feature. Cool. Has actually pretty good <laughs> um, has a good little Wayne feature Steve, on Steve it. God. Steve God. Um, you know, there's the you know Griselda Posse track, although West Side Gun only kind of does the hook. Mm -hmm. And then um, Rick Hyde, who's one of Benny's boys from Black Soprano family, I guess takes up the other verse that would have normally been the West Side Gun verse. But it's got Conway and like, that song's you know dope. And last thing I've listened to, even though I haven't listened to the actual record, I did throw it on while I was walking over here for a little bit, which is Youth Attack by Charles Bronson. I will dare, I will go take to this my, to my grave that this is one of the greatest records ever made. Cool. At least, at least, I mean, definitely in my, definitely my top twenty like hardcore records. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a record that like I think is just somehow perfect. It's it's and when I say that it's in my top twenty, uh, when I finish listening to it, it's number one. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like, but there are just also an, another solid handful of hardcore records over the years that's just like when I listen to it it's the number one record, it, it, right it, so it's like you know it's it's not like i was in my youth where i probably listened to this fucking record like daily or almost daily for right. years or something i mean you could it's like a fucking 20 songs in like 10 minutes it's not like it's yeah. taking up much of your day to listen to it mm -hmm. you know 
plus like back in when you had cassette players in your car, you just like put it on there and like fucking spaz EPs and all that shit, make your power yeah. violence comps. But like, no, this I, this one you just put so that you can listen to it over and over and yeah. over and over. You put it on a ten minute tape. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, honestly, it's just like I I don't always throw it on, but when I get in the mood to throw it on, it's just like no skips. Yep, it's just like perfectly like perfectly sequenced. I mean, the art was amazing. Yeah, but like, but. But most importantly, the songs, like, it's perfect. Yeah. It's perfect. It's it's the perfect, whatever you want to call it, hardcore, power violence, whatever. Yeah. It's, like, it's it's timeless. And, like, yeah, it's not on, like, fucking streaming or whatever, but, you know. That's all That's all. also by design, like, yeah. you know. I don't know. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Cinematic Void Podcast. Um, yeah, if you've enjoyed January Giallo this year, um, hit us up on socials and tell us what you think. Got a lot of positive feedback from all the screenings, not just the Sergio Martino ones. Um, again, I just want to say, like, it professionally and personally, this is was my one of the biggest things I ever got done, and I'm speaking gra- gratitude to everyone that helped make it happen, and you know, and all the people that turned up the screen. Like, I did. I didn't say this earlier, but I'm going to close with this talking about basically going back to the Egyptian theater being on that stage for the first time. Not not I know I was there for the wild bunch or whatever, but doing a void show in that room. You know, I know it's been remodeled. I know a lot of things have changed, but like god damn it, I felt like I was home again. Hell yes. Sweet. And that was that's a fucking perfect feeling and then Sergio Martino comes out and we do a fucking banger of a Q&A. Hell yes. So, until next time, see, see you in the void. You know what it is, homeboy.